Ever been to Delaware? If not, now's the time to visit. You'll find a lot of fun in a little state. Since you can drive anywhere in the state in a couple of hours, you'll spend less time driving and more time enjoying. Explore from the bays to the beaches, stroll the boardwalks, and have an oceanside bonfire. Get a taste of Delaware at one of the award-winning restaurants and enjoy a local craft brew. See the first state's unique historic landmarks and experience Delaware's endless discoveries. Plan your adventure today at visitdelaware.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? This is another story that reminds us all that, yes, you may have been born short, right? Sure. And you get a couple of, you get, so you got a bad hand. You got, you got a pair of threes, which you think is good at the time, Mm -hmm. right? Well, I mean, to be fair, everyone is born short, even if they become (laughs) tall. You, that is true. Philosophically, you are correct. But, you know, you're born with a pair of threes, right? It's a pair, right? Mm -hmm. But it's not something you want to bet on. You never bet, man, unless... Yeah. You can get the psychological edge of the table. Well, but what about the river? And then the flop. Bluffing is what I'm talking about. I'm talking <laughs> about gambling. <laughs> okay. So what you got to do is, you go, you're born with a pair of threes. You got to act like you got five kings. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what Diazion Hosenkopf did. This is, is that parenting corner yep. to start the show? Yes. <laughs> Equalize. <laughs> All right. Welcome to the last podcast on the left, everyone. I am Ben, hanging out with Marcus. Hi, hi. And of course, we got Henry Zabrowski here. We are in beautiful Toronto. Look at this beautiful sewage-filled beach. Hey, man. <laughs> don't pretend like you didn't create half of the sewage in the 24 hours we've been here. <laughs> well, today's story, this is extremely fascinating and enthralling. And you know what I'm going to say? Number one, uh-huh. I'm against it. <laughs> what am I against? The murder of Girly Chew. Thank you. That's what I, I'm making a bold statement right up top. I'm against the murder of this tiny Malaysian woman. <laughs> yes, the murder of Girly Chew is what we're talking about today. So on September 9th, 1999, a Malaysian immigrant named Gurley Chu Hassenkoft disappeared from her apartment in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Her body has never been found, but two people were still convicted for murder in connection with her disappearance. This is a very convoluted story very. of a con man and a series of victims. It's highly fascinating, and I feel like this is one of those like internet true crime things that came out because this happened probably the beginning of all of these various true crime blogs and the very, very beginnings of the internet mm. that like came, seemed to hold people's imagination. And now there's a lot more information out there about it, which we're excited to get inside today. All right. 
Motive-wise, this is one of the nuttiest goddamn stories we've ever covered. While this story at its core is about a bargain basement Charles Manson who participated in the murder of his wife, it's also a story of government conspiracies, bogus youth serums, fashion. Ooh. And who else but the reptilians? Yes! Oh! <laughs> yes, we make our return. I'm so excited to get back into reptilians. But you say bargain basement Charles Manson like it's bad. You know what I also found in a bargain basement? What's that? Nothing but trouble. The film. Oh. And there's a lot of people want to say that that's garbage as well. But sometimes it's all about what do you believe, what do you support. It's hard for me to shop in a bargain basement clothing store because not a lot of big people die. Yeah, why don't you? What are you talking about? Big people die all the time. Every day. I know, you but die they, so much faster than the rest of us. But they tear all their pants <laughs> so that they can't be sold in the bargain basement. Well, you shit yourself when you die. So I imagine a lot that's of you guys it. have yeah. bad diets. So I'm just the sheer grease from your intestines must ruin those clothes. But I bet you could buy a bunch of sheets and you could get, kind of put them together with a bunch of safety pins. Yeah, you want me to wear a bunch of white sheets and walk around New York? You think that would be a good look for me? It's a Like moo-moo. the world's tallest Klansman? It's a moo-moo. You, yeah? You think that's going to work? You tell people it's a moo so they don't think you're a Klansman. See, it's the best situation in the world. Well, the person at the center of this story is a diminutive con man with a weirdly high-pitched voice named Diazen Hassenkopf, who discovered that if you're going to convince people you're a 10,000-year-old alien working as the last line of defense against the reptilians, the place to do it is New Mexico. Honestly? Yeah. I think he hit that one right on the nose. It's not going <laughs> to read as well in Delaware. It's no. not going to play no, in the in, Northwest. In Delaware, you're going to be talking to someone who's like, no, that would be me. <laughs> that is me. That is me, sir. And speaking of the voice, let's take a listen to a short clip of Hasenkoft talking about the murder of his wife. She knew she was going to be hunted like the dog she was. And... Yes, she knew. Like a scared rabbit in an open field, she knew. She knew. She knew. It's like when I'm looking at my lunch on a plane. I just think, oh, you're just sitting right near next to the forks. You have a weapon in your hands, but you're useless to defend yourself against my wonderful mouth. Oh, my God. It sounds like Joaquin Phoenix Joker, if you really love the TV show Designing Women. <laughs> like, he did not do nearly as much cardio as Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. Oh, okay. <laughs> and despite this voice, the one person who completely bought the Alien Messiah story was a highly gullible fashion designer cat lady named Linda Henning. You mean cat mother. <laughs> yes, that's a good point. And people criticize the cat mother, but those cats need a mother. I mean, she doesn't need to feed them with her teeth, but they do need to be loved. I want to also, I don't want to go out of here. I just want to really stay for the record is that we can't really speak towards Ah, it's not that Linda Henning is stupid. No. What point of gullible? At what gullible, point? Yeah. Is, what point does gullible become dumb? Yeah, that's a hard question. Yes. I mean, I think gullible. Uh, well, let's could, just call her gulladum. Gulladum. <laughs> she's the gulladum. <laughs> She's just, I mean, she's just the sort of one, we're, we're going to get into her mostly on episode two, but the quote that really stuck with me about Linda Henning uh, was something that her mother said about her, is that she would believe that the moon was made of green cheese if a boy told her it was. Yikes. That is a, that is a mom-daughter 
feeling. That's yeah. a mom daughter mood as a yeah. in its entirety. <laughs> but why would it be green cheese? It's Just not... as an example. Yeah, I know, but it's the moon. We you've all never, know it's you've made never heard of that? cheddar cheese. <laughs> but I've never heard this moon is made of green cheese nonsense. Do you think the moon looks yellow? <laughs> Do you have it looks yellow? Your fucking eyeballs? <laughs> no, the moon looks yellow all the time when it's close to the earth. Please continue the story talking. Yeah. About. Well, as far as the law is concerned, these two people committed an undoubtedly brutal murder that we still to this day don't know the details of. All we know is that way too much of Gurley's blood was found for her to still be alive. Mm. However, it is possible that there was a third man involved here, an anti-government conspiracy nut named Bill Miller. And it's also possible that Linda Henning may have just been another victim of Dyson Hassenkoft, even if she is, to this day, wildly unhinged. She has just got an intensity. She's got it. If you watch any one-on-one interviews with her, she's a lot of fun. She's a former lingerie model turned lingerie designer. So she's, she's mm. very beautiful. She's got big, crazy eyes that do not blank. No. And she brought the reptilians to the table, which we'll see, because Diazian was almost in his way. He's kind of like a funhouse mirror of your own ideas, which is, I think, the way that con men work really well, where they take your crazy ideas already, and they yes-and them to a place where all of a sudden he's injecting you with his own blood. Yes. Damn. So on a scale of... Let's say um, Charlie Sheen, peak Charlie Sheen, Tiger Blood Charlie Sheen. Mm-hmm. When he and went on the live tour, just improvising things, yelling at things at an audience while people threw stuff at him. Because he really <laughs> thought he could nail it and he yep. didn't. Um, or Shelly Duvall. Where is she? <laughs> because she seems like a little bit of a Shelly Duvall type. For me, who she really reminds me of is Carla Faye Tucker. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the pickaxe murderer from back in Texas. Really? Yeah. Yeah, the one that they executed. Oh, yeah. yeah. She's, she's got that kind of really hard intensity. Even kind of looks like Carla Faye Tucker. She has a homicidal edge. She is like She's like if Shelley Duvall and Jack Torrance were one person. <laughs> oh, look at that. But that's the thing about it, is that Linda Henning may not have had anything to do with this murder. I don't know. I don't know. I don't we're going to get into it. On epi- we're definitely going to get into it real deep on episode two, but it's... Very much a possibility that she is completely innocent. Dyson Hassenkoft, he made this very fucking convoluted and confusing. He is a real, like, I, that's why it's a part of, like, technically, he was just an early Charles Manson. This is, I was talking about this with Natalie. Mm-hmm. I think that he's, he's Muppet Baby's Charles Manson. Oh. <laughs> he just started getting his cult going. Yeah. And, I mean, they were killing people early. If he had managed to leave town with all these people, we'll get into this, we'll get into this deeper but later on. Char- but yeah. I'm just saying, he was just in training. But Charles Manson didn't know about this Haas and Cough character. He didn't inspire Charles Manson or anything like that. This is just a, a, this is late. Now. 90s. Oh, this is the late 90s. Yeah, he's yeah, talking about he's talking about, uh, Henry's talking about Charles Manson early on in his career. Ah. Yeah, but Charles Manson was also a bit of a phenom cuz he had that whole cult going within a year of getting out of prison. Dog, some people just you just toss them the rock and they put up threes. Yep. When <laughs> you can squiggle dance like that, you're going to get followers. Yep. Yeah, I mean, uh, Dyson Hassenkopf, what we're going to see is just a tornado of misery. Yep. I mean, he is confusion. Commit 
he's a tornado of misery and confusion. That's exactly what it is. He just fucking knows how to make. If this is that's why he became a compelling figure to me. Mm-hmm. Is because you start really everybody's getting pulled down into this mud with him, mm-hmm. and it gets more and more convoluted as it goes. All right. But before we get too deep into this story, let's acknowledge our main source for this series. This week's book is September Sacrifice by Mark Horner, which does one hell of a job putting together the pieces on this fantastically messy yet fascinating story. I'm going to give him a title so far, one of my favorite titles of any book we've covered. It's a good title. And that's usually the most that I read of any book we've covered. (laughs) It's very capital T, capital C, true crime. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if you like true crime, if you're very if you're into true crime books, September Sacrifice, good read for you. Oh yeah. So since there are two, possibly three people involved in this single murder, let's start with the life of the so-called mastermind, Diazen Hassenkoft, aka Armand Chavez, <laughs> <laughs> aka Hoss. Honestly, Haas is cool. Well, they call me the Haas because I do the thing where I go up to the jukebox and I pump it. And instead of it working, the the jukebox just shuts off and the bar closes. (laughs) You are the Haas. Usually Haas isn't given to a little guy like Dyson. Usually Haas is a guy like you, like your size. Yeah, that's what they call me. Yeah, somebody with thrombosis. (laughs) Deep vein thrombosis. Born in Houston in 1965 as Armand Chavez, Dyson's family soon moved to Phoenix, where Dyson had a relatively normal childhood. But when Dyson was in high school, he suffered a severe head injury. Following the injury, Hasenkoff transformed from a normal teenager into a complete sociopath. Mm. And this is well within the bounds of scientific possibility. Because, see, the brain is a fantastically complicated if fragile thing and knocking the hell out of it can have dire consequences i'll tell you that from all the lamb brains i've eaten honestly and we've talked about this on the show about how from all the we- lamb brains you've eaten yeah have you <laughs> i i if you honestly <laughs> where the hell together, did you start doing lamb brains he's it's been just, eating lamb brains forever it's happened it's fine it happens <laughs> it's but they are very snooshy right they're very sclooshy gooshy and they they wiggle a lot and so if you just think about that <laughs> being in the side of like you just think about all that wickle being inside of Joe Biden's head, right? And you're like, this guy's going to be president? This guy with this inside of his fucking head sucking on that woman's fingers? Oh, my goodness. For some reason, I did a little Google search of Chris Benoit's brain mm-hmm. to see how damaged it was. And it is like pitch black. Yeah. yeah. It's supposed to be like a little bit more white. Yeah, it looked like charred cauliflower. It was. It really did. So I think that's why he killed his family and himself. Yeah. But this is very common in serial killers. Head injury equals change in personality for forever mm-hmm. towards the negative. Yep. Now, we don't know exactly what part of Dyson's brain was injured, but we can make an educated guess that it was either the amygdala, the frontal lobe, or both. If it was the amygdala, then Dyson would not have had access to the part of his brain that processed complex emotions. Mm. If it was the frontal lobe, then Dyson lost his sense of self-control and his ability to morally judge a situation. And if both of those regions were effectively turned off... Then you've got someone who has a high chance of becoming a sociopath. I mean, or a CEO, or a stand-up comedian. Sociopath. Or a sociopath. (laughs) A lot of CEOs are sociopaths. I know that. Gotta be, man, to win. You gotta be to win. Well, that... You don't have to be, actually. You don't don't have to be, but it helps. It helps a lot. Sometimes. 
But of course, nature is only half of the equation. And according to Dyson's half-brother, the entire Chavez family were charismatic individuals with the ability to manipulate the weak and gullible into doing whatever they wanted. Um, so I'm very interested when you mentioned his brother. What half of him was missing? The top half or the bottom half? <laughs> <laughs> Let me push you out this window. Oh, gosh. What's my role on the show? You know? Just bring it. Just bring in the laughter. <laughs> so, what you had with Dyson was a man who was at least implicitly taught by his family how to manipulate others in bad situations. Combine that with the man who was completely untethered from human empathy, and you've got a fantastically dangerous little man. And mm. coupled with all that, his beautiful hair. He actually, I, I will admit, he did have beautiful, luxur- luxurious hair. You can he, be a sociopath with great hair. He looks like... The shortest Native American chief who ever existed. He has beautiful sable black hair. He looks like he would be, because on a horse, everybody's the same height. You get him on a horse, you see that hair, he looks like like a tourism for Wyoming. Like something like that, like some kind of ute thing. But the problem is that he has tiny, beady little eyes, and he's got really thick glasses, Mm -hmm. which make those beady eyes look even smaller. You know, I that's he's like Lawrence Lessig meets like uh, Fabio. If Fabio had very dark hair, weird, weird. I was also thinking it's like Pugsley. If Pugsley <laughs> made love to Edward James, almost. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that guy, Lorenzo Lamas? Yeah, sure. Yeah, thank Renegade. you. This yeah. is really helping. <laughs> well, he's got nice hair too. Are we just going to talk people with nice hair now? <laughs> Man, we could go on and on. But the final ingredient for what Dyson into the treacherous con man he eventually became were two things that Dyson shares with a lot of the people we cover here on the show. A superiority complex and a long track record of failure. You know that middle manager you deal with that's a pain in your balls, your pussy every single fucking day because he worked as hard as he thinks or she thinks that she's a fucking genius. She's handed some menial job or what she now or believes is a menial job. Diazian is all over this. His whole thing is that I'm a genius. Why aren't people coming to me and asking me for everything? Like I, I should be in charge of the world. Anyone that's worked at a Walmart, a Target, a fast food restaurant knows the manager is never the smartest person in the shop. No. They want them kind of dumb so that they can follow orders properly and not question why you have to, you know, chop two, up the two-day-old chili and two-day-old meat and put it in the chili. You're talking about your time at Arby's. <laughs> no, this is Wendy's. not Wendy's. This is Wendy's. That was Wendy's. I'm sorry. I just, also, I'm just saying. You always downgrade it. It was an Arby's Sabaro. There was oh, also it's not a pe- even a whole Arby's? No, it's a whole Arby's. It's a, a whole Arby's. Arby's. No, it's you a whole- worked at half an Arby's. No. Did I, you work on the Arby's side or the Sparrow side? Mostly the Arby's side. You are a quarter of an employee. You are you're missing- not even a full employee of the restaurant. You're completely missing the pizza component. I am just saying, do not get restaurant managers mad at us. I'm not going That's to. That's what you're doing. No. I'm not talking small business restaurant managers. Interesting. Well, no, they're... Actually, the world and these jobs are full of sociopaths. There's a great book about this called The Sociopath Next Door, which really studies how sociopaths settle into these types of like middle manager positions, because those are the positions that they can control people from and essentially make people's lives hell, because it's easy and they know how to just kind of tread water. Because all you have to do is stick to the corporate rules, to the letter, yep. which means you can drive everybody you could, and make them follow these, these weird things 
set of circumstances that are just sent to them from Russia. <laughs> Absolutely. See, Dyson did graduate from college with a bachelor's in chemistry, but when he started applying to medical schools, he found that not a single one wanted him. Hmm. And anytime anyone brought this up, he would get enormously angry. Yeah, don't uh -oh. even bring it up. Bring it up to me. What? See, I'm doing my angry walk. Oh, 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 oh. Look how I put my knees together. So I hear you, uh, are too dumb for medical school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Robbie. Hey, Robbie, you want to see something fun? Ask this guy how smart he is. Did he get into medical school? Medical school? Hey, uh, how was medical school? Yeah. <laughs> we could do this all day. Yeah. And he's tiny, so he can't do anything. He can't do anything. <laughs> from your grave. Texas Pete is a sauce and allows you to sauce like you mean it. It's what people gather around, it's generosity in its simplest form, and it's a swagger people have who know what's good. Each Texas Pete hot sauce is packed with bold, balanced flavor. This signature tanginess is what makes it a legendary hot sauce that can be used on just about anything. It's been at the center of dinner table since 1929 and is still heating things up today. You're definitely going to want to try every flavor. The original hot sauce has a famous secret blend of fermented peppers. The hotter hot sauce is three times hotter than the original, and not for the faint of heart. Sabor! By Texas Pete adds authentic Mexican flavor, and their dust-dry seasoning matches the flavor of the original hot sauce and a flavorful dry rub. Tell you what, the other day I was having myself a good old refried bean burrito, and I wanted a little bit of kick to my morning, so I got myself some chop. Texas Pete sriracha sauce, and I smothered those refried beans and that cheese and them eggs in a whole bunch of chai, and it started off my day. Correct. Texas Pete. Sauce like you mean it. Visit TexasPete.com and use the store locator to find Texas Pete products as well as purchase sauces and get recipe inspiration. And use the promo code PODCAST24 for 20% off at TexasPete.com. The last podcast on the left is sponsored by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Thanks, Squarespace. With Squarespace, it's easy to create a beautiful website all on your own terms. Don't let anybody tell you what to do. This ain't your mama's website platform. It is, actually. It's actually be very easy for your mother to learn. You don't want to miss Fluid Engine. It's a next-generation website design system from Squarespace with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. I thought it was just the name of what my blood pressure medication turned me into. Um, I'm peeing. Now, my goals for the year are I have two warehouses Filled with horse picks. Now, I know a lot of people, uh, obviously this bit has been done, but the Zendaya centaur picks are not going anywhere. And I've been trying to get the Judge Reinhold sitting on the Clydesdale line out. Uh, I need these moved, okay, because I have to move into the storage unit. Let's just say there are problems at home. So I need Squarespace to shoot this through the roof for me this year. And that's why I'm going to go full tilt and not only are you going to get the judge reinhold sitting on the clydesdale entire series clothes and non-clothes what we also are going to offer and i mean this 
We're trying to get into giraffe rides. I brought this up the other day. We got to start riding other animals but horses. Take pictures of the horses. Photoshop the horses into other celebrities, but stop riding them. Save a horse. Ride a giraffe with Squarespace. Go head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says right here, what would you do if another extra hour of your day? I mean, well, obviously I'd get some nunchuck training in. Oh, I'd make love to my wife. That takes about nine. That's a full nine minutes of that hour. And then I would probably uh, go to get a donut. And then I'd probably yell at my parents. But a lot of us wish we had more time. The question is time for what? I don't know. What works for you? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. And therapy can help you find out what matters to you so you can do more of it. You know that question? They're like, if you had a billion dollars, what would you do? You know, and like, you know, when I answer it's, of course, I would grind the government to a standstill with my giant machine of my making in secret for many years. But a lot of people get mad at that. And it's really hard to do that in a job interview or like when you're meeting somebody's like your significant other's parents for the first time. So, and you might actually want to think of starting therapy. So give BetterHelp a try. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash last pod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash L-A-S-T-P-O-D. Well, all of this was according to his first wife, Rosemary Guerrero, who also said that she caught her husband in the bathtub drawing his own blood multiple times. Still red. (laughs) No kidding. (laughs) Dyson refuses to speak to writers and reporters, so we don't know exactly what the blood drawing was all about. But if we extrapolate from what we do know about Dyson, then I think he believed in his own brilliance. Medical schools be damned. Hmm. And if medical schools weren't going to take him, he was going to do medicine his own way in his own time. (laughs) Which is technically truer to the original sense of medicine than not. Correct, because the I know, I mean, I know it's a troublesome ledge to walk on. But there's all he really did sort of believe that he could hold these these experiments that he would, which in the okay, what's the experiment? He's drawn blood in the bathtub. No clue. I know that he is. He believes, as we'll go on, his con will will extend to him saying he's a geneticist and he is going to break the human genome he was going to do all of this right but i think a part of what he truly was just doing was taking his blood out of his arm looking at it under a microscope and just going (laughs) i see all the building blocks but doing nothing else (laughs) yeah and saving his blood in these little refrigerators he is the scientist equivalent of saying Honey, uh, I'm off to work as I do every day. And then you leave the house with a suitcase and a suit on. And then you go sit at the train station for eight hours. And then you come back being like, sure, Bush from work, honey. What a hard day I had. Yep. Well, well, faking having a job is also more difficult, often more difficult than having a job. Yeah. What are you going to do with eight hours every day just out in the city? And you can't jerk off? (laughs) Well, at some point you're going to, and then that's going to be a whole nother problem. Well, Dyson began just taking his own blood 
Later, he started taking the blood of others. Ooh, that's the problem. And it was around the time that the blood drawing began that Dyson decided to try murder for the first time. Although, in this, he was once again a failure. Okay, you try playing basketball for the first time. You try football <laughs> or maybe even like a little ping pong. I, when do you, I don't know if you try murder. You try murder, yeah. yeah. You of course, you don't succeed. If you don't succeed, then technically you tried murder. Yeah, and then you try, try again. Yeah. It's the, the legal term for it is attempted murder. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah. Well, in 1988, a wealthy heiress to a hotel fortune named Paula Young hired Dyson as a household helper, mostly in charge of balancing her checkbook and cooking her meals. So this is this is where she's at, right? She mm-hmm. hired a, a man to come and essentially be sort of like a life assistant. She needed she needed help to to just do the basic numbers on her checks checkbook and her day to day shit, okay. which shows that she was a highly vulnerable human being right but after one meal in which dyson kept emphasizing the deliciousness of the squash he'd cooked try the squash try the squash make sure to eat the squash the squash is great put a lot of extra effort into the squash all right mrs young was struck with a double fist bout of diarrhea and vomiting ah uh, that's the diarrhea vomit squash yeah and she wasn't <laughs> doing it she didn't do it to herself like you do right right <laughs> turned out dyson had loaded the squash with arsenic Unfortunately, though, Young filed no charges, so no investigation was carried out, and Dyson moved on from both Young and his first marriage, leaving behind a child. Hmm. So he got married real quick. They had a child real quick. He started again with her. She immediately said, I am going to medical school. Yeah. To his first wife. Mm -hmm. Was not going to medical school. So that's already a hot pile of shit. This woman allowed herself to almost be murdered. And then they, she just was like, let's just say bygones be bygones and let <laughs> right. him leave. Yeah. It is so, it's very, very strange. It's mostly just because I don't, she was very advanced in age. And I think a part of it was knowing what she'd have to go through to prosecute him and do all this kind of stuff where it's mostly she just became even more of a shallower, like she pulled herself out as a human being from all society. Well, she didn't die. And maybe she was kind of bound up. Maybe this. Oh, you he Maybe this was <laughs> a colon uh, cleanse that she needed. I think she was just at the end of her life and was like, "I don't want to spend the last five years of my life in a fucking courtroom." Ah. Yep. A year after that, Dyson managed to snake his way into UC Berkeley, and a biochemistry professor named Charles Grissom became a firsthand witness to the type of pathological lying that Dyson became known for. Dyson told Professor Grissom that his wife and child had died in a terrible car crash. But from what it sounds like, Armand's lies only really worked when people took them at face value. See, Dyson didn't seem like a man mired in tragedy to the professor. So Grissom looked into the claim, found nothing, and confronted Dyson. Because he was just like, yeah, my wife and child, they're dead. You know, when? Oh, like six months ago. So it's like, Mr. Dyson, your wife and your uh, and your child are boo-hoo. dead. Boo-hoo, boo-hoo. boo-hoo. Yes, that is That's me you. crying. <laughs> yes, I am just so, what's the word? Um, Would it be happy? S- I'm laughing. No, 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 no. No, I feel fresh and ready to work. No, I'm, I'm a no. doctor. I'm actually, I'm actually in space right now. Did you know that I'm actually? No, I'm. I'm the word is sad. Okay, sad. I'm very Maybe. sad. And boo. I, I believe it. Boo, boo, hoo. <laughs> 
So when Grissom confronted him and said, this is all bullshit, Dyson switched tactics. He wrote and planted two sets of letters where Grissom would find them. One set supposedly from his ex-wife, begging him to come home, and another set from Dyson, telling her he couldn't possibly, because his calling was just too great. Nailed it. <laughs> Here we go. He will read this and see. He, he, he. I meant to be the doctor to be. He wanted... There's something about pathological liars that loved this emotional manipulation mm-hmm. where he, that that's what's very interesting about Diazin, which I think in the end why he ended up going to jail was because really all he ever wanted was the push and pull of people's emotions. Yeah. Just saying, because it's like, it's easy to check if somebody's wife and child died, if you want to, and you keep pressing it like it's this major fact of your life. Right. And it was an immediate lie. He started at the very top for no reason other than to get someone to go, Aw, because mm-hmm. there's there's right. something about you knowing. Did it. Ben, you did it. You went as soon as I said it. You went. Oh, well, it's a very sad idea. <laughs> Next thing you know, you lost your wife. You lost your you lost your son. Now you have to run for Senate. You now you're running for president. You're Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> That's and John Travolta. <laughs> oh, really? Killed his own son. No, no he didn't. That's ridiculous. Newer but- secrets. <laughs> That's don't. You mentioned the hair plugs in public. Is that where you're calling lies now? New secrets? (laughs) So why did this doctor, though, why did the doctor just ask him if he was a doctor? It's... I forgot what this position was. Well, he was uh, just going to school. He was in... He was just going to school. He was just going to school. And it wasn't medical school. It was still like an undergrad program. He was just taking classes with this guy. This guy was just a... Because this guy wasn't even a doctor. He was a professor. Oh, okay. Professor Grissom. Ah. And so he showed up to this program. He starts one line of bull. Immediately, his teacher is like... Why are you even doing this? Why are you lying like this? And then imagine somebody, because that's just where, because he's also kind of, he is stupid. Mm-hmm. Like he is obviously, he, some things are not firing inside of his fucking brain. Right. So then he lays it out like it's fucking Degrassi. He puts out these letters on his professor's desk to be like, now he'll really feel sympathy for me, which is all of this horseshit, which is all like, it's, an, it's another step. I'm yeah. like, why the fuck are we even doing this? Yeah. But when Dyson got neither sympathy for the fake deaths nor admiration for his quote-unquote sacrifices, he just disappeared with a bunch of lab equipment and never darkened UC Berkeley's door again. See what you do without these Bunsen burners. (laughs) (laughs) I love the Bunsen burner. But before he left, he was able to convince some of his fellow students to part with a few vials of their blood. You have to have a gift. In a way. Yeah. To get people to do the thing. Because how many people are afraid of needles? A lot. A whole bunch of people. To to voluntarily sit down with a a fucking... This evil dwarf. (laughs) You have to sit with this evil bespectacled dwarf, despite his beautiful hair. Which I'm sure at one point you're looking at me like, well, he's got to know something to get that hair that luscious. Well, naturally. But he's out there and he starts fucking being like... I just need a little bit of your blood. Mm-hmm. And you are just like, yeah, sure. Well, yeah. how yeah, did buddy. He, I think a key component is, did he put like vampire fangs in and be like, <laughs> now I'll take it from your neck? Or did he do it the proper way? Was there a needle? Was there a yeah. syringe? No, no he acted was, super legit. Yeah. Okay. The whole thing was, this is an experiment. This is probably, I imagine he did the line of like, this is for the UC Berkeley lab association bullshit and we're doing experiments. It was all about a con. Because when he left UC Berkeley, 
Records were found that showed that Diazin had falsified lab results, stolen stationery from a hospital to falsify a letter of recommendation, and had conned two women out of cash. Was and it, that's what the blood was all about. So was it super obvious? Was he like, Stacy, your blood has sea monkeys in it. You're an alien. <laughs> no, it, it, got, it actually got, it, it got interesting because he had this idea that he could extend human life forever. Well, what? I mean, honestly, if just this guy was... If it was all true, you know? If it was all true. Yeah! If it was all true. It's, <laughs> yeah. like the, it's like the woman with the big eyes and the low voice with the tiny little blood mechanism. Oh, yeah. the uh, What is it? The founder. Was it? Yeah. the um, What's her name? I can't remember. Oh, yeah, she talked like this. Yeah. <laughs> but she's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> with the turtleneck and everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Turtleneck lady. What's the yeah, name of that? Yeah, if she was correct that... about the invention... It would have been fine. Oh, she would have been a billionaire. Yeah. No. Is it Ther- Theranos? Ther- yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Theranos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the other thing about his experiments is that one of his later neighbors, who was also a scientist, said that Dyson could talk the talk. Like, he was actually very smart and that he could absorb all of these different words and all these different concepts, mm. and he could spout it all back to you, where it very much, and he said it with such confidence, that it very much sounded like he knew what he was talking about. You re- LRH told us. It was an essential nature of building a massive con, Mm -hmm. which is you have to talk your target, your marks language. You have to come at them from them. Like you have to take whatever it is that they're saying, whatever it is that they're dealing with, you have to take it and you got to twist it so that it makes sense to them. Almost as if they're coming up with the idea on their own. Mm -hmm. So as you slowly insinuate and you realize you, you hear buzzwords. It's like on stupid, like in the one world, like I'm I'm certain in the restaurant world, there are things that you say Right, that shows you've worked in a restaurant. Yeah, right. like on set, there are things that there there are terminologies and stuff that happens that shows that oh that this person has been on set. But all you have to do is overhear. You could just be it's like a janitor overhearing a bunch of like BG talk. You could pick up all the terms. Then all of a sudden, next thing you know, you're married to Scarlett Johansson and you're <laughs> really? working on the f- fucking Weekend Update on SNL. <laughs> oh, Colin my. Jost did this. Wow, isn't that the <laughs> dream? He can't come read true. or write. No kidding. <laughs> Uh, I think the most important thing to know if someone's been a waiter or not is if they laugh or don't laugh when serving the poo-poo platter. <laughs> most of the time, it's a, it's an Asian thing, so normally they don't consider it to be funny because it's just the name of the day. There's some fusion restaurants. And also in Wisconsin, there's some poo-poo platters served. I went, I went to a Chinese restaurant there. So does the waiter laugh when they serve the poo-poo platter? No, they don't laugh uh. because it's not funny. Uh. But for me, I'll have the... Poo-poo bladder. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. That's fun. Well, after the whole fiasco at UC Berkeley, Dyson figured he deserved a new start. So in 1992, he moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico, and legally changed his name from Armand Chavez to Dyson Hassenkoft. He chose this name because he said it combined the two master races. The Germans and the Japanese. So, after his arrival in New Mexico, Dyson spotted a personal ad in an Albuquerque newspaper that was placed by a 72-year-old heiress named Sonny Blake, who was looking for a lover. Oh. Yeah. I mean, the main reason why Sonny put out the ad was because she'd been diagnosed with breast cancer. She's just looking for a little bit of comfort at the end of her life, which is nothing wrong with that, and it's a very human impulse. Of course. Absolutely. Someone could have sent her one of those rabbits. 
and that would have helped. No, but, but you want a warm body. You don't yeah. just want a rabbit. You can get a big bag of soup and attach the <laughs> rabbit to the sure. end of it and then just yeah. ride that. The little vibrator there. Um, that's a weird thing to lead with, though, in your, in your personal life. She didn't life. lead with it she in her personal life. No, 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 no. That wasn't okay. her personal life. I have, it wasn't like that scene in Fight Club where the woman's like, I just want to get laid one last time. I have lubricants. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. It's not a Craigslist. One of those ads. It's a very sweet ad saying, I'm lonely and I like to spend the last of my days with somebody who'd be willing to share their time with me. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it does also seem like a gigantic, like, hey, con man, come and get me, but I'm not going to blame this poor woman. No, No. not at all. Well, what Dyson saw here was an opportunity. Mm. And this is when Hosenkoff began a scam that would take money from an untold number of desperate women over the next eight years or so. Mm. He told Sonny Blake that he was a cutting-edge geneticist who had cracked the cancer cure and could also reverse aging. (sighs) Yeah. He basically said, I'm going to fix your breast cancer. Uh, and you're going to make you young again, mm-hmm. which is, ju- I mean, it's yeah, those wild. Those are two things that I would, th- that's good. It's it's wild yeah. to think that no, anybody, because I think, you know, when you first read this, be like, oh, who the hell would buy this? But then you're desperate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He comes in and he can speak highly technical horseshit. About what he has learned from various labs about about blood and all this kind of shit. He's got a fucking lab coat on. Yeah. Which in a weird way like works. It's like why they have the weird people on the street trying to collect your blood pressure. Mm-hmm. They just throw a dirty lab coat on them. And it's like, oh, I'm supposed to put my arm in this crushing machine. Right. <laughs> and he's also got a name that sounds like a movie doctor. Like Dr. Hassenkoft is here for your genetic treatments. Yeah. That sounds kind of legit. Yeah, I suppose. Turn your head and hoss and cough. (laughs) He also specifically said he wanted a difficult name. Mm-hmm. I, there, this is where the, the where Weird. magical thinking and con men shit kind of like all kind of come together. Where he's like, when you make your name a puzzle, when you make your name this thing that people have to like, they get kind of be like, oh, this person is is leagues deeper. Yeah. Than I thought he'd be. So they have to think about it. You got to think about it just to right. say his name, Diazian Hassenkoft. Mm-hmm, you have to like mm-hmm. prepare your mouth to say the name. Mm-hmm. And so he knows that mm. to the point where people were just calling him D yeah. or H, like just calling him these things, which also helps you to disappear. Because eventually people like, oh, his name was like Namamian Robincroft. And he's gone. Yeah. He also, he reminds me of the doctor from Reanimator. Yeah. The guy who just continues to uh, kill cats mm-hmm. and then bring bring them back to life. A true scientist. <laughs> A true scientist. <laughs> well, personally, I think the reason why people fell for Dyson's geneticist shtick was because he ran this scheme throughout the 90s. And thanks to the O.J. Simpson trial and mm. Jurassic Park, don't mm-hmm. forget about Jurassic Park. I, 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 I cannot. <laughs> Most people at least knew what DNA was, kind of. Yeah. But the specifics were a mystery. It was something new, but it was also something reasonable. It was actually being used in real life in the O.J. Simpson trial. So people were like, okay, well, that sounds legit, and I'm dying, and I've got a lot of money, so... Let's roll the fucking dice on Dr. D. 
Yeah, but I mean, the O.J. Simpson trial, it was doomed for the prosecution because the jury, as soon as they heard the, the words DNA, they were like, big if true. <laughs> big if true. But now, but because of the, the fuck up at that trial, it almost then caused a generation of people to become vaguely educated on it. Mm-hmm. And it became yeah. buzzwords. So it became like a thing. You're like, okay, all right. Yeah. So he's talking to DNA shit. Okay. Yeah. And when Diaz and Ch- arrived on the scene, drawing blood and handed out invoices with terms like, polymer decoding sequencing x-ray crystallography and cryogenic containment field which is a mini fridge in your hotel room (laughs) that is true (laughs) when he's throwing all that shit out like people were impressed (laughs) and confused enough to just give him money it's like sure okay that's that's what you got to do this is how much it cost and how much it costs about a couple hundred bucks for each little procedure. New Mexico is a fucking massive retirement community as well. Mm. A lot of people go there to retire. So you also have this kind of an endless revolving door of people showing up to die mm-hmm. in New right. Mexico. And you just kind of can start running through them mm-hmm. as they die. Yeah. And each okay. invoice he sent out had about 40 or so charges on it, which, you know, 40 charges around 200 bucks each. Each treatment, that means he's getting about eight grand and for char- nothing. And charge 38 was poo-poo platter because the doctor's got to eat. <laughs> doctor's I don't even remember it. receiving this poo-poo platter. There was, I didn't see a bucket with shit in it. <laughs> Honestly, I have heard nothing but great things about New Mexico, and I would love to go visit that great state. New Mexico's great. I love New Mexico. Love going to Rio Dosa and Cloudcroft and all that. Great places. Great mountains. We'll have to go sometime. We Everybody's will. bragging about fucking New Mexico. You go to New York, New Mexico, name dropping all these cities. You want to go to New Mexico? Why do you marry it? I like old Mexico. I like it better when it was old. Wow. Okay. Well, because Sonny Blake was desperate to live, she bought not only Dyson's bogus science, but also all of his bullshit stories. When he told her that his daughter had died in a car crash and that he was going to use his dead child's hair to recreate her in a laboratory from scratch. Oh, my. She believed him. When he told her the only way she could get the youth serum was if she let him transfer his own blood into her body. No. She believed him and let him do it. Oh, my. Think this about this. Good. Think about this. How insane that is. It's is so that crazy. He legitimately said, I have built the cure within my own blood. So let me just give you some of mine. Because this is when he started his storyline that he might be anywhere from 2,000 to 10,000 years old. Uh. This, is a, this is a line of bullshit that he starts right now being like, so I've seen it all. I met Vlad the Impaler. <laughs> Lovely dude. You, would you believe his hors d'oeuvres were actually served without sticks? Really? <laughs> Incredible. Really? I was like, this is ironic. This is funny. <laughs> you are funny. Is this TBS? It is funny. <laughs> and he, I, but I do have the cure inside of me. And so what he would do is draw his own blood in front of her and then inject his hot blood (laughs) into you. Now, it wasn't until the cancer caused Sonny's breast to swell to several times its normal size did her son convince her to go to a real doctor. The oncologist, of course, told her, you got six months to live. You should have come a lot earlier. Damn. By the time Blake died in early 1996, Hasenkoft had built her out of 500 thousand dollars that's one of his marks one person that is just one fucking person wow and this con lasted three years i mean he was with these people for years upon years upon years and he was running i mean we don't even know how many he was running at once i mean it is countless women all across the united states so you're the kid you go home for christmas and then you're in new mexico and you're like 
Mom, who is this? Who is this guy again? It's very, very scary because he would obviously manipulate the vulnerable and the old. And they what, mm. what every what Mark Horner, the D the and the lead detective both said about D, we'll call him D, was that he he could measure you within 30 seconds. Yeah. He was one of those guys where like I know that they're I think that they're being a little capital T capital C true crime. After a while they're they're like he was a master manipulator. Right, it, right. It, I don't know if it was like that. It's just that he just had a sixth sense for who was the right combination of vulnerable Maybe a little bit on the dim side, and also desperate. And he'd zip, he'd zip right into their lives. Mm, yeah. and, they, and he did it all over the internet too, because this is the advance of the internet dating during this time right. period. So, and he was very early on onto the internet, understood immediately. Oh, I can be anybody yeah. on the internet. So he was a smart predator. I mean, he was absolutely a predator. I mean, I, I think actually that's what Horner said in his book is like he is the definition of a predator because a predator doesn't waste their time going after hard game. No, a predator goes for the weak, the sick, the small. And right. that's what and that's what dies in Haas and Cop was and hitting him for any amount of money that he could get him. Like yeah. he, he was shooting right. for the big bucks, but. He'll take a hundred bucks off you. Mm -hmm. He'll he'll take fucking fifty bucks off you. Like he would, and so he started with these email campaigns as well. So that's why it gets into the countless. Is that we know that he probably had like three to five girlfriends that he met physically, mm -hmm. but who knows who else he was just fucking hitting up on the internet, just hit, emailing people and seeing who would fucking respond. Mm -hmm. Well, if I was super sick, I'd give it. Uh, I'd give it a shot for fifty bucks. I'd take his blood for 50 bucks. Yeah, it works out. <laughs> yeah, just squirt it in your mouth. <laughs> Salty. <laughs> well, the person who had no idea any of this was going on until it was way too late was Hosenkoff's second wife, Gurley Chu. Mm. Originally from Malaysia, Gurley Chu's story with Hosenkoff, it sounds like a fucking worst case scenario 90 day fiance episode yeah damn worst case scenario worst that whole case thing scenario. is a worst case well, scenario because dead that's oh, why it's ah. the worst <laughs> no this isn't just Corti. it's not just her like it's not just a horrible woman from Brazil like it's damn. like it is real real bad shit I don't know why I cannot watch that show I tried it makes me so uncomfortable I love we it. are so sad I know addicted to it in yeah. our house I know I know. See, while Gurley later told the FBI that she met Dyson Hossenkoff through Pen Pal magazine, a friend maintained that the two met at SeaWorld while Gurley was traveling through America in 1992. From what I heard, though, and what she's publicly said, she was not a yachter, which is the term for paid models that are on yachts that people go and oh, party with. That kind of, the kind yachting. that they accuse the Brazilian girl of the latest season of 90 Day Fiance of being. Yes, which is very oh, often. Oh, oh. And she's not, not a male order bride. She's Look, not a prostitute. I don't know what to say. She's not a prostitute. Yes, I did pay $10,000 to be on the boat. And yes, she was on the boat, but I didn't directly pay her. God, what turns does your life have to make when you're on the street in Brazil yelling, she's not a prostitute. She's not a prostitute. She's my daughter. I mean wife. <laughs> I'm pretending she's my daughter to get her America, but she's my wife. Do I have to yell at everyone? <laughs> I well, but, maybe it'll last. Maybe so we, it's love. But Girlie Chu was not a mail order bride. No, not she, at all. She's a. I think that of she's from what everybody said couldn't have been more of an innocent, beautiful flower woman who was just kind of radiant 
to everyone that she met. She yes. was just this mm. lovely woman that kind of fit, was filled with life. Very trusting. Yes. Okay. That was the thing about Girly Chew. She wasn't gullible. She was trusting. Mm. And pretty soon after her and Dyson met, she fell under his spell and came to visit him in Albuquerque. The, her whole thing was that she just chose to trust the wrong fucking American. Mm. Because from her point of view, this guy she'd met at SeaWorld, he had money, he had an impressive resume, because that's what he would do. He would actually send his resume to people. Like, look, like I'm, I'm telling the truth. Here's a bunch of pieces of paper that say I'm telling the truth. That is 1990s romance. Mm-hmm. But filled with typos. Yeah. Number one, filled with typos. He had a hard time writing. And it was also, I mean, it's just insane. Yeah. Like, he was a head geneticist for the Human Genome Project. He was a person that was flown all, like, all of this kind of shit. He, it, will get, it gets deeper and deeper about how he was flown deeper and deeper. Deeper and deeper. <laughs> how he's flown all over the world to do uh, jobs that you, you couldn't describe if you wanted to because they are not mm. real. Yeah. So this is a lesson. Too good to be true. Always. Always, Always too, too good, good to, be, to true. be true. Always. Because that's the thing, is the girl that you saw all this money and she heard all these impressive credentials. I mean, what she didn't know, the money was all from conning old ladies and the resume was totally bogus. And as Henry said, just filled with typos. But if you didn't know what was going on, like if you didn't know this shit, then you wouldn't see it. You wouldn't see the typos. You wouldn't see all the shit. Like you wouldn't be able to tell. And in her defense, how strange is this? This is not normal behavior. Like, you don't assume that the person is just making everything up. Yeah. All of the money is coming from scamming elderly women who have breast cancer. Like, I, that, that's not the first place I go yeah. when finding a mate. Well, he his main, his bio with her, because he had a different bio with everybody. His bio with her, that he was raised in Switzerland by rich people who died. And they left him a massive trust fund. Uh. And so he's living off the largesse of his family, but also he's an amateur slash professional geneticist who's also, but he is in medical school. Mm-hmm. But he has a job as a geneticist as well. Yeah. Oh, it and, makes perfect sense. And there was a big red flag right at the beginning. And this little part of his story is it becomes bigger and bigger with Diazin with each successive person that he cons. Because when they first met, he was calling himself Armand Chavez. Mm-hmm. But by the time Gurley came to Albuquerque for a visit, he was like, no. Now you call me Dias and Hassenkopf. That's a totally different name. That's a much different name. So you just went ahead and changed your name. Yeah, but from what he said, this was not actually a name change. Rather, Armand Chavez was the alias, but he only used Armand Chavez when he was doing secret defense work for the government. Yeah. Oh, my God. He's like Mitt Romney on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> he was doing secret work for the government. Wow. Wasn't his name like Pierre Leclonc? Yeah, I think it was P. What was it? Oh, man. What was I mean, it wasn't as bad so as Carlos dumb. Danger, but it was definitely... Something Pierre. It was Pierre, yeah. Oh, yeah. But he, you know, because Diazian Hassenkopf is too remarkable of a name to work for covert ops. For the government, it takes bored. a chump name, like Armand Chavez. <laughs> yeah, of course. And in true 90-day fiancé form, when Gurley arrived in Albuquerque in December of 1992, Diazin was waiting with a dazzling $7,000 engagement ring, and Gurley married him less than two weeks after she arrived in America. Yikes. But that's what kind of she was told She didn't to even expect. take the full 90 days. She didn't even take the full no, 90 days. Two weeks. They didn't have she didn't the even weird... wait till the K-1 visa ran out. They didn't talk with her weird, like, they didn't talk with D's weird, like, step cousin who hangs out all the time, like, over fake drinks in a stage 
Sage Bar going, I just don't know if you're committed enough to Diazian for you guys to stay together. Wow. How will his children accept this? Now, since Gurley had been a bank teller in Malaysia and spoke great English, she pretty quickly got a job at the Bank of New Mexico. And by all accounts, Gurley was, as we said, sweet, hardworking, caring, just an absolute delight to be around. Her best friend at work, Ernie Johnson, was an older lady who she called every night before going to sleep because Ernie Johnson told told Gurley, being like, I want you to check in with me. And see how you're growing in New Mexico. So she went and they talk every single night before going to sleep. This is uh-huh. kind of like, which is nice in this case, but you know that Ernie Johnson was probably kind of a pain in the ass when you work with her. But, she, <laughs> but it was it was nice, right? But they all called her computer chip yeah. at work because she wanted to know every single thing about the business and she was always early and she never missed a single day of work. Mm-hmm. It's a, actually kind of a cute name. Yeah, it's yeah. a very cute name. It was also, it was Pierre Delectico. <laughs> But the problems with Diazin started when it was discovered that Gurley was infertile. Now, for some reason, Diazin badly wanted another child, even though he'd abandoned his first. And Mm. he pressured Gurley even more by claiming he was, quote, the last of the Hossenkoffs. I am the very last. (laughs) And they won't make another after me unless I make one in my lab. I can do that, of course. You know that, right? <laughs> well, yes, I know we could have a baby, but I could also make it in a lab or not. Mm. Or I could combine a, a chimp's DNA and a man's DNA and make a man chimp. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you just make the kid in your lab then? Because I'm I'm totally infertile here. I'm obviously girly chew. <laughs> oh, girly, you sound so delectable. <laughs> yes. Oh, girly, you be beautiful woman. Yeah, you want to try to you just want to try to practice on. Oh, you're so tight. <laughs> oh, you're so tight, girly. <laughs> All right. Well, that act out is freaking me out. That is. I did that. I'm sorry. Now, they did try the age old method of replacing a child with a dog. Henry, you know all about that one. Hell yeah. But the- <laughs> hey, man, the best part about a dog is I can put it in a cage for six hours and I'm not going to have fucking CPS called on it. Absolutely. <laughs> But the first dog they got almost immediately died after what sounds like chocolate poisoning. They fed the oh. dogs either chocolate or grapes or like one of those things you just can't fucking give dogs. Come on. I mean, I don't know because it also sounds like he killed the dog. He might have. Because the dog would, it sounded like the, the dog was poisoned in some way, shape, or form. They don't do autopsies on dogs unless it's, it costs a lot of money yeah. to do an autopsy on right. a dog. And I, would, I don't put it past him to see. How can I rev this emotional situation? Yeah. How do I kill this dog? Because then what you're doing is I'm getting rid of the baby substitute. And what that then means, because you start to open up this thing with Gurley being like, I'll bring another woman into the scenario that will be our surrogate. And yes, I have to do it the fun way. But that's only because we'd want our kid to love us, right? Mm-hmm. Hmm. And, of course, they tried getting another dog, or Gurley tried getting another dog. That dog got the fuck out of there. Ran away within a week. Dogs know evil. Quote, unquote, ran away. Mm. Do you think he killed two dogs? I think it became a floaty in the river. Oh. (laughs) And all the while, Diazin was constantly in and out of town on what he told Gurley were his, quote, unquote, business trips. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, at first, he said he was attending graduate school. Need to get one more degree. 
Then he said he was on the lecture circuit. What does that even mean? <laughs> that means you're going out and giving lectures at different universities. Yep. Is that what we're doing? That's what Technically, we're doing. Technically, we are on the lecture circuit. God, yes. weird. Yeah. Yeah. Us and Boskax. Yeah. Boskax. <laughs> Who else follows us all the time on tour we were talking about? It's Boskax. Boskax. Uh, Brian Wilson Brian, is, is on the tour with us a lot. Brian Seltzer Orchestra. Brian, Se- Brian, Brian Setzer, Setzer Orchestra. Orchestra. Yeah. yeah. We, I we have play- no idea why. Well, no we're at the Brian Setzer level right wow. now. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. wow. We made it, boys. That's we, incredible. <laughs> that made it. Next step, Riverdance. <laughs> Actually, we follow- are playing the same places as Riverdance. We're at Riverdance level. Oh, oh, yeah. mothers Dude, are we're so Riverdance. Proud. We're Trans-Siberian Orchestra. <laughs> we're the Grinch Stole Christmas, my friend. I wow. know that. Well, after the lecture lie got boring, Dyson told Gurley that he was being all but airlifted to operating rooms across the country where he would spend up to 16 hours straight performing life-saving operations on women and children specifically Mm. who'd been injured in terrible car crashes. I mean, only the most vulnerable. Women and children, because they're softer. Yeah. <laughs> Men are so rugged behind the wheel. Yeah. But Diazian really he stressed just how important his shit was. Mm-hmm. And then he'd have to go on a fucking drop of a dime to do emergency surgery, which is a great way to respond if you've missed a text and then you didn't, re- you for, like you looked at it, they know you've looked at it, you've now waited a day, you you meant to immediately answer, but then you've waited a day, all of a sudden you right. wake up, it's been a week yep. since yeah. you, you're supposed to text or email this person. Great way to say, sorry, I was doing emergency surgery on women and children who were in terrible car accidents. Yep. Mm. The only better thing would be to superimpose your face on the rescue of baby Jessica, who was stuck in the well. (laughs) Um, This happened. Do they still, is baby Jessica still in that damn well? No, they they got got her out. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Baby Jessica died of a heroin overdose. (laughs) Ah, good. The natural death for all babies formerly stuck in a well. Well, oftentimes these trips would last anywhere from three days to a week. But what Dyson was actually doing was running cons on countless women across the country looking to either turn the tide of aging or cure their cancer. On what, at what point do you say, go to find a medical school, yeah. go to be a doctor's assistant, do, do, be a nurse, be these things. You could, how much work is it that's, to run these cons? That's but what you, I was thinking. This is a full-time job. But you don't want any medical school. You yeah. want the best medical schools because yeah. it, it's not impressive yep. to have like a degree from like Boise Community College. You're nah. about to get us shot on stage by someone who went to Boise Community College <laughs> because that place I've heard is wonderful. So I love Boise. I mean, the best part of it, you're safe from somebody who went to school at Boise Community College because then they turn the gun the opposite way around and they're looking <laughs> through the barrel like it's a telescope. <laughs> <laughs> well, community college is actually a great place. No, it's a great place for yes, a lot of I our listeners, and as as it was for me as well. I went to a state university. I went to Florida State University. I did not take one real class. I went to the number five state university in Texas. So we're not highfalutin here. Okay, all right. <laughs> Just to clear that up. Live from your grave. Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's Journey a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story. It takes you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. You'll step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. 
Use your observation skills to quickly uncover key pieces of information that lead to chapters of mystery, danger, and romance. You're going to get a kiss in there. That's mystery, danger, and romance as you search for hidden objects from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris. Watch out for those sidewalks. They are covered in urine. And customize your very own luxurious estate island. Think expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. Collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. And you can chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Oh, how I love the 1920s. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hey, did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? You can grow lemon, avocado, olive, or fig trees inside your home on top of the wide variety of houseplants available. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. The experts at Fast Growing Trees curate thousands of plants for all climates, locations, and needs. Available 24-7, you can talk to a plant expert about your soil type, landscape design, and how best to take care of your plants. I love fast growing trees because I just moved here to Los Angeles. I got a yard now and I'm doing all the landscaping myself. I love working in my garden. I love planting stuff. I love growing stuff. And the cool thing about fast growing trees that I really like is that they tell you exactly what type of growing zone you're in. I'm in growing zone 10 and they can tell you exactly what type of trees or plants or whatever you can put out in front of your house. Uh, I'm looking at the Norfolk Island pine tree. I'm looking at putting a little bit of red sister cordyline up in front of my fence. I think that'll the red will really pop nice. And maybe for the backyard, I got an extra planter that I might put a pl- Satsuma plum tree in. And these prices are reasonable. They're reasonable if you've ever been to a nursery. But right now, they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. It's sports. Prize picks. Football season may be over, but the action on the floor, oh, it's eaten up. Whether it's tournament season or the fight for playoff home court, there's no shortage of high-stakes basketball moments this time of year. Yeah. Toss that rock. Come on, guys. Yeah, pass it around. Get on the excitement with Price Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app where you can turn your hoops knowledge into serious caps. Whether it's hula hoops or earring hoops, you're going to know everything you need to know about sports. You can now win up to 100 times your money on Price Picks with little as four correct picks. Conference tournaments are here, which means the biggest moments in college basketball are getting closer. Basket. Price Picks even offers injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. I sure wish that Bobby Bonilla was still in the game. 
because I would pick him to go all the way. Can you imagine if Bobby Bonilla played basketball? Woo-wee, dog! Then it would be more like baseball, but Bobby Bonilla would still be crushing it in the contract game. Woo! The deadliest game of all. Download the app today and use code LEFT for a first deposit match up to $100. That's code LEFT for a first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Live from your grave. Well, because the cons were going well, the Hasenkoffs had a steady flow of cash. So Gurley really didn't have reason to question the lifestyle. But the one thing that did make her highly suspicious was Diazin's Forbidden Room. Okay, once again, as we talked about with John Wayne Gacy, if you can't go to every single room in the house that you live in, you're married to a serial killer. It is highly dangerous. He would, like he had this room. He's like, do not go in there, you see? No girls allowed. <laughs> right. The key is, if a man wants to have a room alone, he wants his man cave, he has to make it so disgusting that a woman doesn't want to go in there. That's the but idea. But you are allowed to go in. Right. But you just don't want to smell it. You don't want to see all the Dorito dust on the chair. Mm-hmm. You don't want to fall out of love with your husband. Path of least resistance. Yes. Just make it good in the house. Make it uninhabitable to uh-huh. anybody with a sense of decorum. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Hasenkoff told anyone who stepped through their door that no one, not even his wife, was ever... My wife is not allowed in this room. (laughs) ...was ever allowed into that room under any circumstances. But he also refused to tell anyone what was in the forbidden room or what he was doing in there all goddamn day and night. I could um, also see it just full of diapers like in the movie (laughs) The Visit. Hey, uh, D. Have you been tie-dying in this room? No. <laughs> Why are there many fluorescent spirals everywhere? Um, get out of my room! Oh. <laughs> More than likely, the people close to Dyson figured it had something to do with his, quote-unquote, government work. Because for as much of a secret as his work was supposed to be, it tended to come up in conversation quite a bit. Interesting. Well, because he, he had to appear to be brilliant. And he had to appear to be secretive and, and working on all of these things. Like, he, he had a way he wanted to talk about his life, the way he talked about it is if he had all of these things going on that you were too dumb to understand fully. Mm-hmm. Right. So if I was working for the CIA, let's say I spoke with them when I was in Washington, D.C. the last time at our side story show, and they recruited me to work from the inside out when it comes to the entertainment industry. This is a hypothetical. I not say that. This is a hypothetical. <laughs> That's a hypothetical. <laughs> okay, okay. I could never say that. Yeah. But the thing was, his neighbors knew that there was strange shit going on with Dias, with Dias and Hasenkoff, besides just the forbidden room. Mm. See, Pedro and Luz Torado had lived next door to Hasenkoff since 1992. And when Hasenkoff met them, he bowed and told them that he graduated from the University of Japan when he was just 12 years old. Did you know that? I graduated from the University of Japan when I was just 12. That's where I learned how to bow. <sighs> yes, and you see, um, yes, my name is Dyson, which is Japanese. You can see, oh, oh. <laughs> so is that noise. I make that noise quite often. <laughs> wow. Very Japanese. Graduated at 12 years old, you say, huh? 12 years young. That's what they said at the time, because <laughs> I was actually six. I was double six. You were I was such a six. smart six-year-old that they called me 12. So technically, I graduated at six, but intellectually, I graduated at 12. But he followed up the university lie by telling his neighbors that, alas, all of my education will go to waste because I only have six months to live. Now, but the problem with that lie is 
six months is a relatively short part of, uh, yeah. amount of time. You're he gonna- is setting up these little mini things because he truly did believe in my mind. This whole situation is not going to last very long. Yeah. I think that he was already planning his his exit out of this situation. Mm. And what you can do with the six months to live thing is that you can keep pushing it because you could say, I got a new treatment. Mm-hmm. I did this thing. But this now, is, this is another, which also seems to be his whole thing is that he kind of wanted sympathy. Yeah. Like he really wanted people to give them that energy too. It's kind of like the gypsy case with the the girl pretending to have cancer but it was really her nurse it was her mom that mm. was the one who was trying to absorb all of the sympathy yeah, Munchausen by proxy yeah yeah no, and, and this is kind of a version of that because this was the beginning of his leukemia scam uh. and he didn't just use it I think sympathy was a big part of it he did love the energy and he loved that type of, he loved just feeling all that from people but mostly he used it to excuse shitty behavior mm. like it's like oh I'm I know I'm been acting bad but I've got leukemia I know I've parked across three handicapped space, but <coughs> I have leukemia. <laughs> Triple leukemia. I believe that Eminem's mother, I think that he suffered from um, by proxy Munchausen by proxy. Really? That he rapped about it once. Huh. Yeah. What? If you really delve deep into the Eminem lyrics, sure. I just learned Stan. Mm-hmm. Really? I stan Waffle House. No, this is old now. That's already old. What? No, as dude, soon that's as super it gets, old. It's fucking got it. Dude, no. that's super old. I no. just understood it. No. Henry, the rule of the white man. <laughs> as soon as you know it, they change it up God because it. it's no longer cool. I'm so hyped to learn new words. <laughs> <laughs> You're fire. <laughs> you you are fire, my friend. Wow. So those words have just now been altered and though there's not they're not even said anymore. You are such fire. I hope to bring hot dogs the next time we meet. And I will make a bit of a roast hot dog dinner for my family. <laughs> well the problem with the leukemia scam was again and again the Torados saw the six months come and go. And there's Hassenkoft. Doing your work. Just doing, just out there, just doing shit. He's still among the living. Ah, he's like literally <laughs> pulling a, a wheelbarrow filled with concrete bags. And it's like, <coughs> feeling real sick today. Yeah, 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 yeah. You guys want to drink some buttermilk with me later? <laughs> so when the Torados finally asked him what was going on around year three, Dyson kicked the can down the road again and told him that a doctor friend of his had given him an experimental leukemia treatment, which gave him an extra five years. Oh, At damn. least. At least oh, another five years. Okay. See this magic whistle? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Makes cancer go away with a... <laughs> you fluted the cancer Listen away? Listen to the song. Okay. <laughs> Is your doctor Jethro Tull? I did not finish okay. the No Cancer song because I have to not have cancer today. Don't you want me to not have cancer no, please, today? Please finish. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Dyson! Shut the fuck up! Well, you better let him finish, otherwise he's going to have cancer. Die! No, let him have cancer! I guess I'll just go have bruises till I'm dead. (laughs) But despite the supposed leukemia, Dyson still wanted kids. And he made that desire a reality about six months into his marriage with Gurley. On that day, Dyson just showed up after a trip to Mexico with a six-month-old Asian child. Yep. 
Now, how the hell did that happen? Well, from what Dyson told his wife, the child was a Mexican orphan, despite the fact the child was obviously Asian <laughs> and would grow up to be obviously Asian. There was not going to be any doubt that this child was Asian. This is a far eastern Mexican <laughs> child. Interesting. But the truth was that the child was actually Dyson's biological son. But this was all a part of another scam, possibly the most bizarre and cruel scam that Dyson ever ran. Because remember, Dyson believed that the two master races were the Germans and the Japanese. Mm. That's where his name came from. Dyson Ger- Japanese, mm-hmm. Hassenkopf German. Mm-hmm. So Dyson found a Japanese woman in Canada conned her into having his baby, then once the baby was born, convinced the woman that the child was suffering from a rare genetic disease and Dyson was the only person in the world who could keep him alive. Jeez. And since Dyson supposedly had the treatment, she brought the baby to Mexico City, handed over the infant child to Dyson, never saw him again. Just Audi. 5,000. That's from my generation. That's a term from my generation. That's very cool. What about the follow-up questions? Any, like, phone call? I mean, this is still the 90s. I mean, we're, we're she two signed years away. away from having cell phones. She signed away the rights. And also, really? she's in Canada. He's in America. I yeah. mean, there's all kinds of... I mean, he knows how to put up the roadblocks. Also, you're just not a mother anymore. That's got to be kind of fun. That's <laughs> sad to know. say. But Gurley was so sweet. And didn't know what else to do. Like, they, they, she was, it shows that if you just lie audaciously, if you just roll with it, you just showed up with a baby. He's like, this is our son now. We're doing this. I have this baby. Girly Chew, number one, wanted a baby desperately. And she sure. couldn't have one. So this was a half a gift. But then also you have now, you are now, you got this baby in your hands. You're going to give this baby up to foster care. You've probably now heard enough because she's talking to Ernie Johnson. He's like, yeah, you don't want to give that up to CBS. They give those kids to the CIA to make child porn. <laughs> they, you know what they do. Have you seen Miss Johnny? Have you seen where is Johnny? Have you seen it? She starts screaming about fucking Johnny Gosh. Right, right. But honestly, you have this child and now you have to take care of it. Yeah. And they named the kid Dimitri. I like the name Dimitri. Dimitri Hassenkopf is actually a pretty good name. It's, it's cool. not a bad name. It, you shouldn't even give your significant other a, a cat or anything. They a have Peloton machine. A Peloton. <laughs> that's an insult. Yes, that's an insult. <laughs> but to give your kid, to give your wife a kid like that, that's a lot of work for her. Well, actually, Gurley was against adoption. She didn't want to adopt. She Why just not? she just didn't believe in it, or she just didn't want to do it. She wanted to try for her own. We I all mean, know for a fact that orphans are dirty, and they steal, and they go up in the vents, and they watch <laughs> what you do, and they they get knives. They're trying to kill you and your family. They put pine salt into the coffee when they serve it to you. They're never they've never been six. They're thirty five years talking old. Talking about the oh, that is one story. <laughs> They're always one like this. Story. Well, it was around this time that Dyson picked up his very first henchman. Because every good con man needs a good henchman. <laughs> I love it. This guy's name was Dwayne Baker. And Dyson hooked Baker by telling him that he had somehow obtained alien technology <gasps> yep. that could be used to manipulate human genes for the purpose of extending one's life. Because that's the thing about Dyson, is that he does not go whole hog. He builds 
every single con that he runs is a little bit crazier mm. and a little bit crazier because he learns from every single one. Henry, he, you are five IQ points away from being this henchman. <laughs> I can just see you. <laughs> I'm not a good. I am not a good reliable henchman. I'm not a good no, reliable you henchman. Be, you would have to turn it down a little bit because no. henchmen have to be the B guy. I miss too many texts. Yeah. You know what I mean? I get yeah. too stoned that I'm locked inside my home. Like, I'm not a good henchman. That's why, you see, you're a good henchman because you're a good, well, you're a good goon type. Yeah. Right? I know. You like to call me that, which is very insulting to the tall people. You're a goon, but you need to have a goon in a group, if you're, especially if you're tiny, like, if you're crang. You need to have a fucking, a big goon to protect you That's when you're vulnerable. That's Bebop and Rocksteady. Yeah. But, but pigs. But you can't just have two goons. What do you mean you can't just have two goons? You need one. You need two regular sized goons and then one gigantic goon. See me, I'm. I would be like kind of a like regular sized goon. No, you're but the I'm guy crazy. who licks the knife and like. Yeah, I'm crazy goon. You, you are you're... Sting from Dune. Ooh, that's where you're I put up. you at. Mm. Where you like, like you that. have the Raphael like the size, like and you're that. like, I'm the guy with daggers. <laughs> like you're, you're, that, you're one like of those that. henchmen. Yeah, yeah, you're Amazing. right. Me, demolitions guy. Right, <laughs> that's the goal. Is you gotta have a demolitions guy, guy who's gonna do a lot of plastiques. And then I just blow bonk people on the head. That you bonk <laughs> people on the head, and you put women in big sacks, and you drag them back to the lair. Yeah, like Jason Voorhees. Mm-hmm. Yep. remember mm-hmm. that when he killed that woman in the sleeping bag? I do. Yeah, yeah. or a tiny man rides you, like in Mad Max. Yeah, Master uh, Blaster. Yeah, technically, Blaster was mentally. Handicapped. Dis- disabled. Yes. <laughs> so I, I find this you. all entirely That's you. Offended. And I sit on your shoulders no, and honestly, I, I poke you big, in the eyeballs until you move forward. Big men have been demonized, criticized. <laughs> uh, this, it, Hollywood has been very rude to us. It's because <laughs> you keep breaking the quills in order to write your stories. <laughs> you small, Polish, little. Oh, I'm going to bop you in the head. I buy your ankles. That's how it starts. Well, how Dyson picked up his very first henchman is he dangled a non-existent job with Dyson's non-existent company to string the guy along. Mm. It's like, all you got to do is just help me out for a little while, and you're going to have a job with a company that's going to save the world. Because he says that he broke the human genome, that he was the only one who had the secret, which is they were still 10 years away from getting the secret. Mm-hmm. They were nowhere near yeah. breaking the human ge- decoding the human genome. He said that you can be there. You can be one of my tech officers. You're a perfect goon for it. Mm-hmm. You're a perfect goon for my DNA offices. I need someone to lift all the stacks of paper. What makes me something- the perfect Oh, it's your sweet face and your big feet. Yes, goon. Don't worry, goon. Just follow me. Thank you. Roast chicken, goon. You you eat so mightily. What a wonderful appetite. Yes. Well, thereafter, Baker, who is 6'2", 190 pounds, which is a perfect goon size. Sure. I mean, because that's a quick goon. That's a quick goon. Yeah. That's a, that's a, <laughs> that's a, that's a good... slender goon. Yeah. 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 Well, he worked as Dyson's bodyguard, although it sounds like Baker's job was mostly prote- to protect Dyson from strangers anytime the little shit shot off his mouth in public. This is a shout out to my boys that run... I'm sadly it's mostly boys, but I'm going to say this is my shout out to the people who run various UFO community groups on the Internet and in real life. Mm-hmm. OK, this is where Diazian started really getting involved in the UFO community and showing up to meetings. And he 
started to kind of bully his way into creating these little cliques for himself mm. within the UFO community. If you're a person that has ever been in a UFO group on Facebook, you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> where he has created an enclave of people that essentially would make fun of and fuck with people within the UFO group. So this is where he's slowly pulling his information from. He's meeting these people at these groups and saying, you like, I actually have alien technology to each one bit by bit. And right. there's something about his beady eyes and his beautiful hair that makes you say, like, if there was a guy that had it, yeah. it might be you. Because he right. kind of looks like an alien just a little bit. Yeah, I, I, mean, I believe it. You know what he is? He's a troll doll with really good hair. Whoa! Like if you well, got, troll if you, dolls have really good hair. No, troll dolls' hair—it's all sticky and it goes straight up. If I you like straighten it. The up, the whole point you, of a troll doll is that they have good hair. Well, it's not good hair. It's just with weird hair. It's fun hair. It's they fun have hair. Diamonds in their belly button and good hair. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, I just have a diamond in the center of my soul. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you straightened out a troll doll's hair and let the luxurious locks flow over, over their shoulders, it'd be Dyson Hosenkamp. That's yeah. what I did. Yeah, mm-hmm. Marcus spends a couple afternoons a week straightening all this troll doll's hair, <laughs> sitting yeah. and slowly combing at his Carolinas, being like, you, you okay, baby? And he's like, just trying to cleanse the palate from the workload this week, my dear. <laughs> well, pretty soon after Dyson brought home his son, Dimitri, he picked up a local mistress. Because up until now, all of his mistresses were around the country. But he figured, why don't we go for an Albuquerque gal? Hmm. Her name was Kimberly Glasgow. And she had met Dyson at the Supercuts, where she worked as a stylist. Ooh, wee. That's hot. where he was getting that haircut, huh? Mm-hmm. It's kind of hot. Yeah, you get to the Supercuts, man. They are consistent. Mm-hmm. Supercuts, cost cutters, they get the job done. Mm-hmm. It only took three haircuts for Dyson to hook Kimberly. Well, it's perfect because he's got great locks. I mean, this is a, this is a big turn on for a hairstylist. His hands are all up in it. Yeah. I mean, he loves his hair just to be kind of vaguely snipped at because Supercuts is great if you want to look like a ventriloquist dummy. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. And they started dating pretty soon after. Okay. But what Kimberly noticed was that Dyson was actually in pretty bad shape. Sometime in 1995 or 1996, Dyson had become a morphine addict. Oh, somewhere in there, huh? Yeah. <laughs> That's the 90s. This is the grunge movement. But this, this is, is grunge. This is the stuff that really, it does kind of roll in. Like anybody who's yeah. been addicted to any sort of like oxy or, or any one of Any-opia. these opioids, there's something about it that just slowly encompasses your whole life. And of I don't course. think that he even understood how deeply addicted to morphine he was. Yeah. He's not a real doctor. Yeah. He's oh. in, I, don't, I wonder where he got it. Stole it. I guess so. I guess he had to just walk to the fucking nurses and tell yeah. them also he had the leukemia thing. Mm-hmm. So you start, you fuck with a nurse, you start to like get into her own head, and then you'd be like, can you get me some of this stuff? Because yeah. blah, blah, blah. I ran out of my prescription, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Right. Yeah. yeah, and he was injecting it into his pelvis, his ankles, and his wrists. Well, again, Dyson used the leukemia lie with Kimberly as to why he was doing so much morphine. He said he needed it to manage the pain. And amazingly, Kimberly, she bought it. And she even asked this morphine addict, admitted morphine addict, who just said he was a doctor, to perform a physical on her 14-year-old daughter. Oh, my God. Oh, no. And according to the girl, Dyson asked her to take off all her clothes, and he just sat there and just stared at her for a little while. Uh, Didn't say a word. And then said, all right, put your clothes back on. We're done. 
Well, it could have gone worse. But still, that wasn't enough for Kimberly to get rid of him. She even kept him around after Dyson took the blood of Kimberly's 10 and 12-year-old sons without Kimberly's permission. Excuse he used, he said, hey, I've got leukemia. I'm looking for a blood do- a blood marrow donor, and I've I thought maybe your I thought maybe your sons would be a a match, but they're not. Oh, oh my but God. I still have leukemia because someone took my cancer flute because they <laughs> said it was quote unquote annoying. <laughs> I would love to do put this guy in a sleeping bag and slam him against a tree like Jason. <laughs> It'd be great. And this wasn't the only weird shit he was doing or saying. One night he told Kimberly just in casual conversation. Hey, I can make your uh, body disappear by dissolving you in acid. What's that? I can make your body disappear by dissolving you in acid. Did you try the steak? <laughs> Did you have the steak? That- wow. It tastes weird because I have leukemia. <laughs> wow. No, and we hear this again and again in uh, fucking murders, where if you have a boyfriend that's just casually talking about murder or casually talking about how he knows how to make a body disappear. Well, to be get fair. Get the fuck out out of there. Josh Powell fair. should show you. That's another story of a guy who's just bragged to everybody he met how he can make a body disappear. Mm-hmm. And then what happened to his wife? She disappeared. Yeah. Most of our audience have relationships that have that conversation sort yeah. of regularly. But a, no, but you know when it's a fun conversation and when it's not a fun conversation. That's true. Because I've we've all had fun conversations about the best ways to make a body disappear. I love having a fun conversation with my friends and my family. Yeah, of course. And with your significant others. They have to know your plans just because they can save you from yourself. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I don't know what I would do. But remember, there's no body, there's no crime. Mm -hmm. Well. Except in this case. Yes. Well, they got, they, the, well, we'll get into why. Yes. Yeah. There does have to be something relating to a body. And oftentimes it's blood. Blood. Hmm. Well, even after all this shit, Kimberly still didn't leave him. The only thing that worked was the appearance of Girly Chu. Girly showed up at Supercuts one day looking terrified, if still resolute, and told Kimberly that Dyson was a married man. Oh, that's oh. so sad. That takes a lot of So she found strength. out. She found oh, yeah. out and said, because she wanted it over and done with, but she was fucking terrified of Dyson Hassenkopf. And she actually told Kimberly... Do not tell him that I contacted you, because if you do, he will kill me. Well, Damn. during this time period, it was when he escalated the physical abuse yes. to Girly Chu. He became very physical and mm. obviously a very uh, terrible person, terrible yeah. person. So he started uh, physically abusing her, verbally abusing her, and then he started turning it up mm. to the point where she realized I'm in danger. Yeah. Damn. And her fears were absolutely well-founded because Dyson, like, when Kimberly said, like, hey, you're married, like, and he tried to lie his way out of it for a while, like, I don't know what you're talking about, I don't know what you're talking about, and then she, he finally was like, okay, yeah, I'm married, how did you find out? And she wouldn't, she kept Gurley's confidence, she said, you know what, I just heard, someone told me. Uh, and he's like, who told you? And she's like, I'm not going to tell you. And she said, uh, Kimberly said that he got this like look in his eye and he said, I think I know who it is. Damn. And he figured out that it was girly. And because of this, he uh, fucking pulled her through the house by her hair, punched her in the face multiple times, pulled a dresser down on top of her. Jesus. Uh, and the cops did come and he was arrested. 
all the charges got dropped. Why? And she didn't leave. I mean, she... It's very difficult. It's very it's, difficult. It's very, very difficult oh, to leave. Oh, she dropped the charges? Yeah. But yeah. Can't the cops still just be like, nah, no, we're no, going to go. No. We're going to go with it. No, because no, she was the victim. So she can and she can choose to drop the charges, and she did. Uh, physical abuse cases are highly, highly complex because you you love this person. You love this person. You're trying to have a family with this person. You maybe come from, because she came from a very religious background. Right. And, she, and her family was uh, like, because, you know, he played it up to her family as well. He wrote them a three-page letter describing like his apology. whole life. So, well, saying that, I'm sorry that I didn't ask your permission to marry her, number one, because I know that that's old school. And two, here's this whole thing. I promise to take care of your daughter. You brought them all in. So the family's kind of rooting for you. It's it's Ugh. just fucked because you're, right. you're stuck. Yeah. Right, right. Well, soon after that, Dyson found yet another woman to con. She was a 50-year-old woman from Aztec, New Mexico, named Julie McGuire, and she'd met Hassenkoft through an internet dating service. And as it was with each successive con, Dyson upped the ante with his backstory, either because he was bored of the old ones or because he wanted to see just how far he could take it. Is he going on like psychopathmeet.com? How is he finding all of these people? Yeah, I mean, you it's know? how does any con man find anyone? Like you just you go out, you you look on internet Throw dating out the sites, lures, I guess. Yeah, you, you just go- start talking to people, you go to places where you think that the type of person that you would want to con might go, you so strike up a like conversation. You see at every bar is just like it's yeah. a numbers game, but he's not saying it like you would just have to go on a lot of dates and maybe you'll find the one he's like, but also, you're told at the beginning of being single. Like, let's say he's he's going after a lot of older women. You've maybe maybe your partner has died, or you were married for a long time, and, the, and it's over. The, or something like this. You've been alone for a, right. for a while, or you're 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 told for love. You're, you're looking for love. Everybody is telling you the same thing. You got to open your heart. Mm-hmm. You got to try new things. You got to trust. You've set up an internet dating service account, especially at this time, on the sheer on sheer hope, a rainbow of hope. Of the love that you'll find. And what it takes is somebody who's willing to break this quote-unquote social contract. Like this idea of being like, you came in here because we're all supposed to be on the same page. I have an ulterior motive and I can manipulate you because we're all shooting for different things. But Mm -hmm. you don't know it, but I do. Well, Dyson told McGuire that he had a bachelor's degree in biochemistry from Tokyo University, a master's in organometallic chemistry from Stanford, Mm. a master's in genetic engineering from San Francisco University, and a PhD from Cornell. Oh, my. Concerning his heritage, he told her that his father was German and his mother was Japanese, but he was from Switzerland. And when he spoke, he used a faint Japanese accent. Yes, it's Diazian. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it literally sounds like a bad pro wrestling character. Yeah. When they're just like, your name is the brain. I am the international student. (laughs) Yes, exactly. But at the center of his story was a private laboratory that built chromosomes. Yes, we have piles of chromosomes. I don't even know what to do with them. I go out to try to go to the bathroom, and I'm just tripping over piles and piles of chromosomes. Really? I am chromosome rich, baby! (laughs) (laughs) Well, Hasenkoff claimed that his company had discovered how to manipulate human cells to stop the aging process. On this cell, we put a little hat. (laughs) And you'll notice this cell... A little mustache. <laughs> what we do is we send a inspirational tape into your cells and tell them, you're only as young as you feel. <laughs> <laughs> well, he actually said that he'd already used the technique 
on quite a few famous actresses. Oh, really? Can't who? tell you who. You can't say Some incredibly who. permanently young actresses like Shirley MacLaine <laughs> um, and Judy Garland. She's doing very well. Yeah, but they're both pretty old, so why would they... they... Mm, uh, Shirley MacLaine is 2,000 years old. Oh, she looks <laughs> so great. So now she looks good, right? She looks great, yeah. You should yeah. see Judy Garland inside that grave. <laughs> she, her skeleton is so white. Oh, she looks great. So nice. She looks great. Well, Dyson took it even further when he brought his son Dimitri up to Aztec for a visit. He said that Dimitri was one of 12 boys engineered by the NSA, and Hasenkoft was in charge of one of the 12 because he had, quote, level 22 security clearance. Now, that is a pretty high level. <laughs> yes, it's, it is higher than 21. It is. It's not as high as 23, but I failed the hell challenge because I couldn't do the jumping jacks for 45 minutes. <laughs> oh, well, yep. that doesn't seem fair. I had tiny legs, weak knees. Oh. Don't use the serum on my bottom half. That's the whole thing. <laughs> well, the thing was is that the kid kept saying one word over and over again. Girly, girly, girly. And when McGuire asked what girly meant, Hasenkoff played it off perfectly by saying that girly was the name of the top secret NSA project that had created Dimitri. Of course it was. Wait a second. So the project was supposed to build boys. Twelve boys. But it was called Project Girly. (laughs) Ironic, yes. No, but or is it? It is interesting. It's very 2019. Oh, yes, it's very 2019. Well, it's to throw people off. Of course. Because if you're looking through the files for the secret 12-boy project... You're not going to look under Project Project Girly. You're going to go, nah. Nah. But why would they... (laughs) Would they even tell the kids the name of the project? I think this project would be so top secret the kids don't even know they're part of a project. Yeah, Kissel, it seems like it is a big old con. It seems like it is a big lie. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. It does. Okay. And then Hasenkoft started swinging for the fences. One night, while he and Maguire were on their way to the casino, he started weaving a tale of alien invasion <gasps> and secret wars fought in plain sight. Is hmm. this any different than literally when Natalie and I went to Vegas last year? I'm, I'm going to say no. <laughs> no. He said that there was a secret base on the dark side of the moon built and operated by evil aliens. And they were the ones who'd blown up the Challenger space shuttle. Because the real purpose of the Challenger was to participate in a joint operation with the good aliens who were trying to save humanity. We are deep into the secret space program lore. Mm-hmm. This is more. I think this is more Hollow Moon lore. Well, they, you know, what have we seen? They all kind of blend. <laughs> yep, I think we can just we can just umbrella it with it's bullshit. No <laughs> bullshit. Alternative histories. Ah. Well, Hasenkopf said the reason why he knew all this was because he was half alien. Listen, He's half alien. Half alien. I, I thought he was Japanese. And German. No, yes, born yes, in Switzerland. Yes, yes. But yes, now you're yes, also half alien. Yes. So wait, yes. Listen. So <laughs> I know it's it... a lot for you to take. Well, it's just a I, lot. Listen, I know, I know. We're trying to go to Buffalo. <laughs> we're trying to have a good time in the casino in Buffalo. I, I don't want to play roulette. Yeah. But I just feel, I feel so comfortable with you. Uh huh. I'm going to reveal something about myself. Could you get less comfortable with me? <laughs> Number one, I'm a Sagittarius, so I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm half um, alien. Yes. Huh. The top half, which is why my hands are so thin. <laughs> and it's a lot for me to come out to you. And my main question is, will it get better? Will it get better to 
to be half alien in a world that doesn't respect my voting rights. <laughs> yes, I want to adopt a baby that I made from my laboratory <laughs> that came from the NSA, Project Girly, that made only boys. You still have leukemia, right? <coughs> yes. Okay. <coughs> no. As dumb as all this shit sounds, remember. I mean, it, it, it is it's, a fun car ride conversation. It's a fun yes, it car is. ride conversation. Awesome. i get that. Yeah, it, but remember, this is New Mexico. <laughs> and New Mexico, I'm not, I'm not bad-mouthing New Mexico. New Mexico. I'm absolutely not the bad-mouthing New Mexico. I'm just saying that when you're telling an alien story... It's more likely to be believed in New Mexico. New Mexico is famous for their alien. It's the land war. of the alien. Yeah. I will put Arizona in there too. Absolutely. It's right next to New Mexico. Tempe. That, anyone <laughs> Tempe, that likes the Roswell, color topaz. Yes. And, <laughs> and people who wear jade. Yeah. You will get so much butt with the solid <laughs> alien storyline in the Southwest. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All, yeah. Right, all right. And luckily for Hasenkoft, Julie McGuire. Said she'd had an alien encounter. This is perfect. That's incredible. So, you know, you said that. I'm not wrong. It is. Think about this, because he did. It's like he took it out of her mind. Yeah. It's like he saw her. Now for storyline Z, like he goes through his fucking right. bullshit. He pulls the I'm a half alien. I'm ten thousand years old, and he somehow knows because she's. He makes a whole confession, and then she looks at him. You're like, it's amazing because. I've known about their presence mm -hmm. on planet Earth. And you could just see him go like, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Wait till I tell my goo. Yeah, because he rolled with oh, it. Oh, she, she rolled with it? She let I it don't go. need you to understand, goon. I need I, you to uh, smile and I need you to do your dance. Okay, I'll smile. <laughs> Here's another roast chicken, you big ugly monster. <laughs> no, he totally rolled with it. Because when she said, I've had an alien experience, he said, I know. Oh my yeah. God, yes. I want to punch yes. Him in the mouth until it shatters. And the reason why he said he knew is because he said that she had an alien implant on the bridge of her nose. But thankfully, it was put there by the good aliens. And that implant made McGuire one of the chosen few who would be allowed to leave Earth before the evil aliens attacked. And she would therefore be taken to Colorado Springs when the time was right. And then once she gets to Colorado Springs, she gets put on Starship. And then she goes and she meets her alien assigned mate. And then they go fucking space forever. Yeah. So do you think this alien implant's going to help us win at roulette? When do we get to <laughs> Vegas? How long is this ride? Oh, no, this is not Vegas. This is the Navajo Casino in Farmington, New Mexico. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a nice one. Uh, yeah. You get it. your cigarettes for $15 a carton, and you, can, you also can really experience the true history of the United States of America by seeing what we've done to the Native Americans on the reservations. Yeah, All you right. don't want to go to Farmington. You don't want to go to Aztec. You don't want to go to these places. I'm I'm not, I, I would love to go. I'll go to Aztec. They are meth dens. Oh, mm. I'll tell them to relax with some tapes. From what some... I've heard. Whoa, interesting. But yeah, he yeah. was doing morphine. He was <laughs> counterculture. Counterculture. Zig, he's ex. He's ex. I've never been to Farmington or Aztec, but I have friends who have family there, and uh, they do not have uh, glowing reviews. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen a lot of TripAdvisor things saying to come down to Farmington, New Mexico. I mean, is it possibly <laughs> just your friends who did a bunch of meth in Farmington? Just be like, it's a meth den. This friends. is kind of a thing people this do is, here. Did you just do a bunch of meth, Steve? All I know is that a guitar's got a hole in it, which means it can also be a hat. <laughs>
<laughs> well, Maguire and Hasenkopf were in fact sleeping together by this time. But mm-hmm. Maguire said Hasenkopf made love, quote, like a boy. Ugh. And when he ejaculated, Ugh. silent cummer. Silent cummer. Did not cummer. make a single sound. And I wonder what like a boy is. Is him just going like... He he he! Like playing with her breasts, like flopping them up and down, going like, "What does it mean?" Also, how would she like a radio, like playing with them, like dials, being like, "All right, now go, go up in volume as I twist your nipples," <laughs> and I then think, dead silence. I think, <laughs> I think like a boy means he didn't know what he was doing. Uh-huh. He was fumbling. Fumbling around quite a Fumbling bit. Fumbling around. Not also, knowing what to do with the hands or anything. Okay. It's kind of fun to be the size of a boy if you're going in there because then it's kind of like she's just this, this whole canvas of woman for you to explore. <laughs> Maybe that is more what it was. Maybe I the that size is deep, had... That is something that you need to work out. No, you play each part of the, the woman like it's an instrument and then you're the tiny conductor. <laughs> oh, God. Well, the thing was is that Maguire wasn't in this for the relationship. She no? wasn't even in it for the sex. No, for her... Hasenkopf was just someone to deal with so she could get to that sweet, sweet youth serum. Oh, she was in it for the youth serum. Yeah. Isn't that interesting how you can flip it because it, it's her worst aspect of herself. Yeah. Right? This is a thing they say you didn't do, and you better watch your opposition because something your opposition can bring out the worst parts of you, be the things that mash. Right? When are you done with this? When I, are you done with Dune? Now, he's going to be talking about Dune for as long as I'm going to be talking about the Invisibles. We've got our thing. It's no, his, know, that's his thing. I got my thing. We got our thing. I, you I talk know. about wrestling. That's your thing. That's no, your thing. And, and beer. <laughs> I don't talk about beer. I drink beer and I talk about sports. But, <laughs> no. But what I'm saying is you're not currently reading the Invisibles, so you it's not on the forefront of your, of your frontal mm-hmm. lobe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are you I'm, doing with the book series? I don't know. I'm in book three right now. Children of Dune might be the most important piece of literature ever written hmm. about religion and the nature of uh, fate and society. Hmm. That's interesting. How many books are there in the series? Six. <laughs> the original series. I don't read the ones by his son. Yeah. I'm reading The Expanse right now. It's fun sci-fi. Okay. A lot of ideas in there. You'd like it, Henry. You'd like The Expanse. I can't wait to read it. I will. (sighs) I fucking will. Okay, then do it. (laughs) But but what he's saying is that this is, it's interesting because his con plays into her. She thinks she's conning him. Yeah. She's like, I'll suck his dick. Mm -hmm. But then he'll get his precious youth serum. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, you know. He's just making love like a boy and having a great time. Yeah. So and they're, I, they're two goofballs. And I think he could feel her trying to con him because he told her, hey, you're in luck. Not only can you have this youth serum, but this week, 90% off. 90%. Cyber Monday. <laughs> Cyber Monday, 90% off. Running a sale. Normally, this is $32,000. You're getting it for the low, low price of $3,200. That's it. $3,199. Boom. Okay. Did she see this serum? What was it? Was it just like a, a an old KFC bag that he would hold up and be like, "It's in here." Jingle no, it around. He had something he was injecting her with. Yeah. He would take her blood out, and then he said he mixed it with her her blood with something, and then he'd re-inject her blood back into her body. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. The only catch was that these injections would have to take place over a series. Of six years. Gross. So he's like, I mean, he is grabbing onto this woman. He Ugh. sees that there is a steady cash stream. He likes hanging out with her. She's down for all the alien shit. So he puts the hooks in. He's like, this is a long-term con. All right. And honestly, $3,200 a month. That you, you shoot one of those in every six years. You slowly build it in. You hit it up once a month. Yeah. I mean, you're making good cash. And mm-hmm. I guess what is a relationship other than a long-term con? <laughs> That is, a, that is a broken man's thought, but I do <laughs> understand. 
But presumably, the $3,200 wasn't enough, because in January of 1999, Hasenkoft called McGuire in a manufactured panic. He said, oh no, the government has found out that I've given you the discounted use serum, and also the discount was a discount on a discount, because the real cost of the serum is $1.8 million, and if the government, if I don't give the government $1.8 million, the NSA is going to kill me. It's a big get. That is, yeah. He's in I'm, a lot of trouble. It it's a lot like of fake trouble. Yeah. yeah, I don't think you can just discount a government. Uh, no, this is okay. Yeah, I would like is. to see him practicing, though. Like, for, to discount on a discount. discount. It's a discount on a discount. Okay, no, it sounds like you have leukemia. <coughs> okay. <coughs> There's a discount on a discount. You should have, ah, that's too, mm, I, how do I change my voice? How do I change my voice to something that people would trust more? I don't know, Mr. D. I feel like it was pretty trustworthy. Uh, Good. <laughs> Every single day we have these meetings, and I know that you, even though you do eat your fair share of pancakes uh, here at the pancake pancakes. house, it's yes. international. I do appreciate how much you support me. Thank you. Okay, here's another roast chicken, you big <laughs> monster. <laughs> well. This was a ridiculous amount of money to ask for, especially considering how McGuire's job, she owned a motel in Aztec, New Mexico. Oh, well. Yeah, you're not going to get $1.8 million out of this one. No, you're not. And since the story seemed a little fishy to McGuire, she asked a friend who actually worked in the NSA about the veracity of Hassenkopf's story. And the friend in the NSA said, I got no fucking clue what you're talking about with this level 22 security clearance bullshit. No one has right. level 20. The level 22 security clearance doesn't exist. Hmm. Can I see a picture of this guy? Like, if I was in NSA, I'd be like, let me see a picture of this guy. I'd be like, this guy? This guy? This is what we're doing here? <laughs> Listen, I'm the NSA. I could literally control his whole life if I wanted to. But you know what? I'm going to let this go because I think it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but even though she debunked the NSA story, she still believed that he had the youth serum and that he was possibly half alien. <laughs> I mean, if it's possible. Yeah. And he Damn. even added to the intrigue by saying the NSA was trying to kill Dimitri because the 12 children of Project Gurley were becoming too advanced. Mm -hmm. And this group of 12 to and this group of 12 toddlers was poised to take over the world like it was some fucking baby geniuses reboot. That's a great idea. That that dark a reboot idea. of Baby Geniuses? That's fucking incredible. But yeah. also, this sounds like a sentence I've heard five times in Park Slope. <laughs> you know, actually, um, our toddler is, is poised to take over the world. Like, it's a kind of a dark reboot of the <laughs> Baby Genius thing. It's because he was a part of the Project Girly um, <laughs> segment. And it's, they've just gotten way too advanced. So, yeah, Madison is very advanced. I agree with that. And all these stories were usually told over the phone at 3 a.m. after Haas and Kopf to down a bottle of liquor. Because Haas, <laughs> Haas was up to about a fifth of liquor a day <laughs> yeah. by this point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he is just hammered. A yeah. car does not run on dreams, my friend. No, yeah, I mean, a house ain't paid for with wishes, dude. You got to get some fucking some juice in there. Yeah. Now, by this time, McGuire had seen through the whole scam, but she was still, but the thing was, she was still concerned. For Dimitri, the kid. Right. Because she'd gone to Hasenkoff's house, and when she went over to the house, she found that the bathroom containers 
were just covered in blood. There's blood-soaked gauze all over the counters. And there's just needles sitting around the house filled with what else but more blood. Oh it's my. like Richard Chase if Richard Chase got a, an AA from yeah. fucking community college. Right. Yeah. Well, as far as Hassenkopf's physical well-being went, he's covered in track marks. He had a hole the size of a quarter at the bend of his right arm. Ugh. And Dimitri covered in bruises and his rectum was all swollen up and he had a big red rash on his penis because he's just Hasenkoff's just not taking care of the kid he's pretty much just putting a, the kid was three and was still wearing diapers oh yeah. my goodness he was totally uh malnourished not washed just a kid kind of living in a house and he kind of put food out for him like it was a dog yeah and he uh, couldn't really like he could talk but all he would do is repeat anything you said to him like if you asked him a question the kid just repeated it they said it was like he was programmed and when mcguire gave dimitri a much needed bath she found fucking track marks between his toes because Dyson had been drawing blood from his own fucking son a toddler they gotta get that kid a different home this is interesting right where he did run public scams yeah. where he used people's blood and he used he will find out why he held on to people's blood specifically in the next episode but he kept the scam bled into his own personal life. I don't know Literally. why he took the because I think well that kind of was that for the youth like, serum well, I think that was what I was talking about earlier with like his own brilliance. Because I think he did believe he believed part of his scam a up little to a bit, point. up to a point. Because you have to believe in it yeah. up to a point where he's like, because it's like the fake it till you make it thing. Or it's like, yeah, I am drawing all this blood, and one of these days I'm going to figure all this stuff out for real. You can, but fake until it then, you know, this will be good enough. You can fake it till you make it in many different areas, but not when it comes to being a doctor. Not when it comes to medicine. No. Or no. flying a plane. I'm going to put that out there. Plane. Sure. <laughs> yeah, that's good. As to why Gurley wasn't doing anything about it or why she wasn't concerned that this woman was giving a, her son a bath, by the time McGuire came around, Gurley was long gone. See, Gurley had started getting phone calls from women who had been conned by her husband. The first phone call came from a woman who worked for the Russian embassy in Washington, D.C. That's how far away he was scamming women. Damn. She said Dyson had scammed her and had stolen both her and her daughter's passport for some fucking reason. Don't know why. Puppeteer-like control. Ugh. It's yeah. about having a hook in your life that you have to come through me. Mm -hmm. If you want your passports back, even though you don't want to talk to me ever again, you have to come through me. Yeah. So after getting this call, Girly Chu decided to finally see what the fuck was in the forbidden room. And that wasn't really a problem by this point because Dyson was so fucked up half the time that he forgot to lock the door. And what Girly found inside confirmed everything she'd suspected. Besides just emails to other women claiming all sorts of outlandish shit, she also found a restraining order that outlined Dyson's career as a scammer. The order cited, among other things, Dyson's four social security numbers, his long history of impersonating a researcher, and his predilection for drawing blood for God knows what. And pretty soon after she discovered the truth, Dyson made his first attempt on his wife's life. He told her, hey, tomorrow morning before you go to work, why don't you head down to the Hyatt Hotel? Pick me up a menu from the restaurant. Why? Just do it. Do it. But why would I do that? <coughs> Just do it. I'm sick today. Yeah. And I left my cancer <laughs> flute on the bus. 
Okay? All right. All right. The thing is about going down to the Hyatt, that took a long drive down I-40. And Gurley said that she'd do it. But the night before, Gurley heard her car alarm sounding from the garage. And when she walked in to investigate, she found Diazen squatting next to the right rear tire, loosening the lug nuts on Gurley's car. And the wheels are leveled. Gurley! <laughs> That's so amazing, just leveling the wheel. But this is like straight up out of like a 1980s slapstick comedy. This is like Who Framed Harry Crumb when they cut the brake lines. This is like the dumbest thing ever. He's not, he's both technically, he's cunning, but he's not smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he figured the best, that this would be a great way to get rid of Gurley. Because if she's going down the road and she happens to have a horrible car accident, then this lie that he's been telling for a decade now suddenly comes true. Wow, weird. That is kind of true, that it's right, that he finally can act and emotionally say, my wife died in a car accident. Mm -hmm. Now, naturally, when Gurley caught him trying to kill her, conflict ensued and Gurley escaped to a neighbor's house. She actually dove under the garage door like she was fucking Indiana Jones to get away from it. We started slamming her head against the door and then she kind of got away and she was just in a shirt and underwear and ran to her neighbors just being like, save me please. Jeez. She left him that night and by February of 1999, Gurley Chu had a restraining order which Diazen violated no less than three times to tell her you're going to be dead soon and no one's going to find your body. Jesus. And it was about four or five months into these threats that Dyson met a woman at a David Icke reptilian awareness symposium hosted by David Icke, by the way. He was there. God, I would have, oh, I would love to. Yeah. You do not want to be there. <laughs> the amount of weird yeah. personalities. I think you would really. No, I I'd go know. as my yeah. alternate. I'll go as my alternate personality, Armando Chavez. Uh-huh. <laughs> And this woman might have made the threats that Diazen was making against Gurley a reality. Her name was Linda Henning. And we'll get to her story and how she fits into the murder of Gurley Chu on part two. Yikes. Oh my goodness. The murder of Gurley Chu part two coming next week. That is crazy. This guy is a total lunatic. He might be one of the the weirdest scam artists we've ever covered. You know, yeah. there, there's some that are, uh, there's some that were better. There were some that were more successful, uh, especially people that are like, you know, uh, deep inside of our government right now uh, that scam their way to the very top of our uh, legislative abilities. But I also believe that Diazen was a, he's special. Yeah, I mean, special. Also, people just scam their way into legislative positions through gerrymandering. Yes. <laughs> but this has been like, going on for decades. This yeah. is like, but it's not like a cult leader because at least L. Ron Hubbard, like, he did have an institution. No, you know, D- like, Diazen understood you keep it local. Keeping it local is what keeps big heat off of you. He went you, local. He, he kept went, it local. He went artisanal. He went artisanal with his cult oh and with his God. scams. And people around here, I know people that are in the middle of like some intense drama, right? Because you either on, it's, and again, focus on Facebook. Like people that kind of have that thing where it's an inner world of drama that's happening. They love and there's it. people like Dyson everywhere. Facebook killed somebody with, out of a reptilian cult two years ago. Mm-hmm. So we covered on side stories. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about a little bit more next week. Yeah. But it, it happens. Be aware of the cult leader that is in your life. The little tiny fucking triple A cult leader. Beware this person. Beware of the boutique cult leader. Yep. Because they slide in there. Because you don't really. Because for, for a second, you just think they're they're like fun. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
And then as soon as you get a crock pot from a boutique place that sells dinnerware, next thing you know, you go to return it, they're closed. Yeah. They've, they've closed This is up a personal shop. story. Yeah, that was a personal story. That was a personal story. All right, everyone. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, and we are excited to see you. We will see you in Detroit and Columbus. Mm-hmm. We cannot wait. Finally, finally, last podcast has gone to Detroit. Motor so City, we, baby. Motor City. Really and of course, excited. And of course, Columbus, we're excited to be inside of you as well. So thank you all so much for supporting us. Um, Page 7 and Wizard and the Bruiser live yep. at the, in Los Angeles, December 11th at the Region Theater. Check it out. And they have dates going on in the second week of January all through the Midwest. Yes, indeed. So support Wizard and the Bruiser and Page 7. Go see Jackie Zabrowski. Uh, be, be the Zabrowski that you want to see on stage. Whoa. That's right, Henry. That's right. Natalie Jean will also be there. Holden McNeely, Jake Young. You'll love the whole crew. So, yes, go out there and support uh, Wizbrew and Page 7 and support all the shows on Last Podcast Network. And I guess that's about it. Yep. That's all. There it is. All right, everyone. Never forget. Hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Okay. Magustalations, everyone. Hail me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just keep my scams to myself. That's your scam. You're taking your own money. And I'm inspiring myself and taking my own money. Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You say I blacked out. And I bought a bunch of shit. That's how you do it. Yep. Because then it's like you got a gift when you wake up. Like, that oh, you didn't what remember have I ordering. done? M- more UFO books. <laughs> <laughs> This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Ever been to Delaware? If not, now is the time to visit. You'll find a lot of fun in a little state. Since you can drive anywhere in the state in a couple of hours, you'll spend less time driving and more time enjoying. Explore from the bays to the beaches, stroll the boardwalks, and have an oceanside bonfire. Get a taste of Delaware at one of the award-winning restaurants and enjoy a local craft brew. See the first state's unique historic landmarks and experience Delaware's endless discoveries. Plan your adventure today at visitdelaware.com. Why pick one city, one beach, one restaurant, or even one view? With Celebrity Cruises, you can have it all. Explore the best of Europe, the Caribbean, and Alaska with the best premium cruise line. And now get 75% off your second guest, plus bonus savings on select dates with Celebrity Cruises' semi-annual sale. Visit Celebrity.com, call 1-800-CELEBRITY, or contact your travel advisor. Offer applies to non-refundable fares and select sailing. Savings vary by stateroom category. Other terms apply. Visit Celebrity.com for details. Ships Registry Malta.